welcome to the Magic Pisces podcast. Before the ayahuasca, before the clear... Here we go again. Thank you for tuning in. Been releasing more episodes and trying to stay inspired. Yesterday was my 48th birthday. How did that happen? It's very strange being almost 50, and it's also very strange having 30 years ago seem like yesterday. So 30 years ago, I was getting ready to graduate high school, and that was the 90s. That was the end of that was the end of it. That was the end of the past. That was nobody. I don't think anyone. There was like this one. There was this one dude that was kind of a tool that had like a mobile phone. You know, like the big, the big mobile phone. His dad like had the mobile phone in in his in his truck for like business stuff. Like this big, huge, like. 20 pound phone like the remember the video from the 90s klf klf is gonna rock you and then he like pulls out the he pulls out the cell phone and the cell phone is like it's like this giant walkie talkie looking thing and he's like do 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 klf is gonna rock you now i want to watch now i want to watch the video i just i just found it Let's see. Uh, let's see if we can get it to translate onto the, onto the Magic Pisces podcast. There you go. I'm going to hope I don't get in trouble for copyright infringement or whatever that is. Sampling, illegal sampling on the Magic Pisces podcast. Living on the edge today. Had no idea where this podcast episode would go when I hit record. But perfectionism is something that often paralyzes everybody. So back to the 90s. Yeah, the 90s were, it was the end of it. Like it was the end of no technology. Like it was the end of having to go to the library and like use a card catalog. There was no Google when I graduated high school. When I graduated high school, Google was like, I don't know, what, eight years in the future, seven years in the future, seven minimum, I want to say. There were, there was an inner, there was a coffee shop I hung out at in Steamboat called Mocha Molly's in the late 90s that, like, the second year I lived there, they, they got, like, one of those, one of those, remember those Macs that were, like, pastel colors? They were, like, blue or green or, you know, it was, like, the, you got the monitor, and it was like this trippy looking the future is now Mac. They got one of those, and people like the hippest people had email. I remember like the super hipster technologically advanced people had they had like hotmail accounts or email accounts in like nineteen ninety three or nineteen ninety four I was like I don't think I got an email until like 2001 or 2002. I didn't even know what it was. I didn't know what text messaging was until after I got sober in 2007. So who knows? It was just, it's just bizarre to think of the 90s as being that long ago. I was talking to a friend of mine about the high school I went to, and he told me that prior to 19, I, I got... I went started my freshman year in high school in 1989, and that was kind of like the beginning of the end. He told me that my high school was like rock and roll high school before that. He told me his his first two years at my high school, it was like it was like this it was this high school with everybody there had like advanced musical knowledge of. And everybody listened to rock and roll. And then when I got there in 1989, that was when this kind of like hip-hop sort of element got introduced into the mix and like technotronic and like that that 
dance, that kind of like housey dance music, and there was B96, and B96, when I was a kid, it was it was like a typical <clears throat> like hit radio station, and then it became all, it turned all houser. And so when I got to high school, there were these housers, these houser, like, hip-hop type of people who were into, like, dancing and stuff, like, like, that, that tech, well, there's this song by Techno, Pump Up the Jam, there's Pump Up the Jam, and then there was, there's this other song called, it's called Move That Body, it's a really cool, it's actually a really cool song, there's a, there's a video you can watch on YouTube that's, that was made somewhat recently, but it's people dancing to that song, and it's a really cool song. We're sampling all over the place today. I really like that song. It's like a guilty pleasure. And you can watch that video on... It's like a YouTube video that was made not that long ago. It's just a Technotronic Move Disc in parentheses dance video. I'll include it in the show notes if I remember. But it's just all these people dancing to that dance into that song. And it's, again, it's not in the 90s. It's like in the... Probably like the 2012... 2010s or 2020s even when it was made. But when I, I remember getting to high school and being into like punk rock, I went into high school being really into punk rock, Naked Ray Gun in particular, and The Descendants, and actually Mother's Milk by the Red Hot Chili Peppers came out in 1989. I think I've talked about this on this podcast as well. So that was kind of the end of the 80s, <clears throat> kind of culminated in that album, which is an absolute astonishing masterpiece to listen to red hot chili peppers mother's milk but i felt like when i got to high school that i got gypped because there was all this like house stuff happening and i i wasn't down with it but also i i like for instance this 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 sound bite i just played or this clip of this video that i just played i i wouldn't allow myself to enjoy that back then because i was too busy like trying to enjoy punk rock music it was like you had to you had to like adolescence is so weird because it's just a a bunch of people who are like a bunch of kids children who are like trying to perform for other children and as the result of getting caught up in the performances you you don't really ever ask yourself what it is you truly like and that was my, I think that's everyone's experience of adolescence, or a lot of people's experience of adolescence. And you know, it. I think it's only the most perfect parents that come can come along and be like, whatever your soul is speaking to you about is the thing that you should resonate your soul with. You know, like there's no, there's especially back then there were no parents that actually knew how to like access their child's true authentic self and nurture the true authentic selves of their children, and. I think that if you are that type of a parent and you do nurture the true authentic self of your parent that your you know your kid I think part of your your kid might not turn out that cool. It's like Joe Rogan he's talking about how his kids are just kind of boring because they they have everything and Joe Rogan say what you want about him. He's he's some he's somewhat actualized. He's at least somewhat self-aware. And he's at least done some work. He's done ayahuasca, right? So that is pretty. That's gonna get a certain. That's gonna get anyone who does it a certain level of self awareness. But he said, as the result of that, like the kids he's raising are they're just kind of like boring. And I, I personally like. I spend so much time being. Re, uh, resentful towards my family of origin, towards my parents, because they didn't get who I really was. Well, what if they had? You know, then I'd maybe just be this like boring dude who, whose shit, <laughs> whose life uh, was just not that exciting. I definitely, I, I, 
I pretty much could guarantee you I could never write a book like the one I just finished had my parents seen my true authentic self and nurtured it from an early age. It'd be kind of lame. Like, I hope if I ever have a kid that I just get it all wrong with him or her and totally screw that kid up. So to such an extent that that kid has to go take this epic journey to discover himself or herself. And hopefully him or her, he or she or they do not end up in prison like I almost did. So 90s. Wow. Like the Grateful Dead were playing in the 90s still? Like Jerry Garcia. You could go see Jerry Garcia on a school night. I did. I didn't see that many dead shows, but I saw enough to love the dead. And I remember going to see the dead on a fucking school night in March, like 17 years old and like buying some drugs from this dude inside the Rosemont Horizon who, like some other dude who I didn't know, told me had the doses. So I'd just walk up to this random dude and buy some acid. <laughs> and, like Wednesday night on a school night, I'd gotten a ride from like this girl that I was in choir with. I'd gotten a ride to the dead show from like this person, this like other girl that like she knew and... I mean, I got to hand it to my parents for allowing that to happen. Again, I, if I had a kid and my kid wanted to go to like a rave on a Wednesday night, fuck no. I would say fuck no. There's no fucking way. I forbid that. You know, I also had this horrific anger problem and this horrific temper that I would use, wield like like some sort of black magician, uh, so as to control everyone in my family of origin, which is really an awful thing. Like it's, I've been, I woke up this morning in regret. Sometimes I just wake up with, with regret or remorse regarding things that happened literally like 25 years ago. Like, I can't live it down. It's awful. Like, and I'm like, maybe I should make amends for some of the things I did or some of the things I said way back in the day. But then when I get clear regarding the things I beat myself up over, it's just like hitting a cork in a bathtub. It just, it'll never, it will never go down unless I, it's, it's, it, you gotta like, isolate that guilt, isolate that shame sort of at its source because I was praying about it this morning and God was basically just like, Dave, you had no idea who you were or what you were doing. Your entire life was controlled by fear and all you ever wanted to was to be liked and accepted by others and because you were not always liked or accepted by others, all of that sadness and abandonment and devastation just projected itself outwards all over the place. And there are a lot of people your age still doing that, still pointing their finger and making others wrong and judging. And I think we all do a fair share of pointing our fingers and making others wrong and judging. But to have the self-awareness around that and the tools to move beyond it, like I'm, I'm always talking about Course in Miracles in this podcast, and side note, the other podcast, Course in Miracles podcast, it's doing pretty good, so tune in if you would like. But I'm able to access a resource in service of, or multiple resources in service of transcending all of that, and it's like, I, it, it, it sucks being, it sucks being like a drug addicted alcoholic, not to mention an adolescent drug addicted alcoholic, because you just, you don't, you don't know what you're doing. Like you're just completely and totally blind to everything that you're doing, to everything that you're saying. And as a result of that, you could, I mean, I know multiple people who have ended up in prison as the result of really stupid decisions they made when they were like 12 
or 13. And then one decision leads to another, leads to another, and then you meet these other people, you meet the people who are also making the bad decisions, and then you're all making bad decisions together, and then someone ends up dead by accident as a result of a bunch of people who don't know who they are making bad decisions collectively. And if you're lucky, you know, if, if you're lucky, you get out of this life relatively pain-free. It's it, like at this point, I'm just glad I didn't have to go to prison and spend literally decades there because that, that could have happened. I know when, when you are in the world of recovery, you meet people or know people who have been to prison for extended periods of time. You know people who have driven their cars into people and killed them. You know people who have committed murder. And that is, and, and the thing about them is that they're just people. They're just human beings who got caught up in the shit show of life and got spun around and didn't realize what was happening or what they were doing or how they were being or they didn't realize that the people that they were associating with were leading them down very, very dark paths and then all of a sudden there's bars, you know, and, and jail and concrete and steel. And it's, it's funny because when I, go to the, when I go to the reunions, like there are the, they're like the goody two-shoes kids and they're like goody two-shoes adults now. And they're, I don't, I don't have judgments, maybe a, maybe a little bit, but um, they're just kind of boring. Like the goody two-shoes were exactly that, goody two-shoes. And I don't know, like it, it's, it's weird. It's kind of like if I could have, if I could go back and do it all over, would I take the route of the goody two-shoes? I don't think I would. I don't think I would. It's like when, when my friend Andrew came along and, and we went on our journey together, I, it's like I couldn't, I couldn't resist. I couldn't resist the pull of the people who were toxic. I don't like, and, and it's weird because there's this part in my book where I'm talking about was there, I'm like questioning or, or uh, postulating or whatever the word is about whether or not, like was there, an, was there an actual moment that I could have pushed pause and, and gone and, and had things go completely differently? Or was there a lit, like was there an exact specific moment where I entered into or onto the dark path that would forever, in a lot of ways, dominate my destiny. I believe that's what Yoda says. Once you enter down that dark path forever, will it dominate your destiny? Was there an actual moment, like one actual moment in time when I set foot onto that dark path. If there was an actual moment, it, you know what? It was probably like after I bought my first bag of weed. I remember I bought my first bag of weed. I was a junior in high school. It was the winter time. And I bought a bag of weed from this guy on Friday night. And I smoked weed a few times and really enjoyed it. And one night or one day I remember thinking like, well, I could just get my own weed and then I wouldn't have to like mooch weed off those people who are smoking weed. I could just have my own weed. So I called this friend of mine who knew this other dude that sold weed and he like came over when my parents were out to dinner and sold me a bag. And I, you know, like in your early, in the early days of smoking weed, you get like blasted. I mean, you just get so completely and totally annihilated from the weed. And so I was in that phase. So this dude comes over and we smoked like a, smoked a bowl like behind my parents' garage or something. And I got blasted. And then I went out Saturday night and I got blasted on weed. And then I remember it was like Sunday night. And I remember thinking to myself, well, you know, I could just, I got a little left over from the weekend. I could just I could just smoke some on Sunday night. Why not? And that was, so 
could that decision to smoke weed on Sunday night instead of waiting until the following weekend, could that have been the exact moment when I entered into the dark path? Perhaps. Was the first time I snuck outside to like smoke weed outside of school and went back into the school stoned as hell? Could one of those moments or one of those times be considered? Uh, those are probably like the second or the third steps down the dark path. But once you enter down that dark path, there is no turning back. The only thing that will save you once you enter down that dark path is a higher power of your understanding, whom I choose to call God. That's it. And I know people now still that are caught up in the dark path. Some, they are caught up in some expression of that dark path or some, um, what's, what's it, some version of what that dark path looks like, be it with alcohol or lots of weed or whatever else. I want to say like, like porn, for in, porn could be considered to be a part of that dark path. There's this... Um, there's this, I think it was The Man Show. With, remember Jimmy Kimmel and Adam Carolla, The Man Show? There was this, I think it was The Man Show where they had Ron Jeremy was like, they were like, what if the internet was a place? And it's like Ron Jeremy, and he's like, here, come with me to the internet. He's like, we've got porn. And like, there's something, like the dark path involves porn and lust and sex and drugs and hedonism and everything, it's all selfish and it's all about pleasure and it's all about self-will. And that's what, that's kind of what Satanism is. Satanism is about self-will. It's about my will, my pleasure, what I want for me. It's very selfish. Um, and there's something, there is something to be said for what the conservatives have to say regarding relationships and marriage and um, that which is holy, they're just kind. There just kind of is. There's there's a. It's it's a shame that the thing that things get have become so politicized because there's so much about. Like energetically, spiritually, there's a lot of validity to a lot of the things that conservatives have to say, but it's all being filtered through this us versus them, finger pointing, moral superiority. There's just so much moral superiority. Everybody's it's like the the woke thing. It's like I'm it's 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 in a lot of ways like I'm part of this group of people who are morally superior to that group of people. And then the conservatives are like, no, those people over there are less than morally superior than we are. Our morality is rooted in the Bible and the Ten Commandments and the book of Genesis. And, you know, and so everybody's pointing their fingers and nobody's seeing the logs in their own eyes. They're just so busy focused on the specks in other people's eyes on the uh I think what is, what is what did Jesus say focus not on the speck in your own if 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 you're focused on the speck in your brother's eye then you don't see the log in your own eye and I've certainly been plenty guilty of that to such an extent that I'm like weaponizing David Hawkins work a few years ago so who knows I um I just I just hope, I hope to at some point get the, the peace or get access to the peace that passeth all understanding. Who knows? Maybe it is just going to like a mega church. Maybe if you just go to a mega church and declare Jesus Christ your personal savior, everything will just, all the guilt and all the shame and all the remorse about the things that you did or I did 25, 30, 30 years ago will just vanish I do know this, or I, I do believe that, uh, I do believe rather that there have been angels watching over me the whole freaking 
time. There's this part of my book called Angel Fight at the very beginning, and it's basically two angels sort of fighting back and forth for the fate of my soul. And I really, I really believe that there is an element of the angelic in all of this. And I don't know why some of us have guardian angels or, and some don't, or why some of our guardian angels show up better than they do for, for us than they do for others. I have heard it said, however, that everybody has guardian angels. So you could stop right now in this moment. You could pause. Pause at this moment in the podcast and ask your guardian angel to present himself or herself or itself or themselves or whatever self to you and see what shows up. I think I'm going to do that right now. Thanks for tuning into the Magic Pisces podcast. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.